This is the Grow Your Clinic podcast from Clinic Mastery. We help progressive health professionals to lead inspired teams, transform client experiences, and build clinics for good. Now, it's time to grow your clinic. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Grow Your Clinic podcast. My name is Jack O'Brien, your host here today, and I'm really excited. We have a guest joining us to talk all things law, which is usually pretty boring. If I come across a lawyer in a bar, I'll usually try and find the other end of the bar, but uh, not today. <laughs> We're going to have heaps of fun. I've got Tracy Chen joining me. Tracy, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. We're going to have a whole lot of fun. Um, Before we do, I'm going to ask a couple of quick kind of off-the-cuff questions for you. So firstly, what are you reading or learning at the moment? For me, it's definitely uh, really learning a lot of stuff about business growth. Uh, I've just experienced a lot of business growth recently in a very short period of time. So I'm just constantly looking online for little tips and tricks. And you know what it's like. We're very time poor at the same time. So I am looking towards these great business leaders on TikTok and Instagram and just grabbing what information I can and applying to my daily business operations. That's something that I'm just like, trying so hard to learn more about <laughs> on a daily basis. Yeah, nice. I'm curious, when you listen to podcasts or audiobooks or that sort, what speed do you listen on usually? I listen to a normal speed. Do you? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. That's interesting. Um, I, I followed, Obviously, I follow you on TikTok and I would have thought that the speed and the rapid fire nature, I would have picked you as a two-time speed listener. But there you go. Yeah, I am. and But that's why I prefer to listen to shorter things because I just find it easier for me. It's funny you say that because some people actually joke and say that, have you recorded at two speed? I'm like, no, this is my normal speed. <laughs> I think you speak fast, I speak fast. People will be listening to this in like 0.75 speed. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, okay. And uh, number two, what did you want to be growing up? Well, I think for myself, because you only know, know what your parents tell you and all of that. So a lawyer was definitely on the radar. Or yeah. was either one of that or maybe one of the medical professions. But I think for me, I was quite scared and I still am of a lot of the stuff in, you know, in medical professions, whether it be like bodily fluids or blood or anything like that. So I made that decision pretty early on that I couldn't do it. And then later I just was like, okay, cool. The next best thing that my parents told me was the law. And so here we are today. I never thought that I would become, you know, a lawyer with my own law firm and doing all the things I am today. I just thought I was just going to go work as a lawyer, maybe progress in the corporate world or something like that. I never thought that I'd be able to do all the different things that I actually am able to do today. Mm, Okay. So connect the dots for us as a little girl, you know, listening to mum and dad and what they've got in store for you through to now you're a TikTok influencer, right? If we're allowed to say that. And, (laughs) and, uh, and, you know, you founded your own law firm. Connect Mm -hmm. the dots for us. How did that Mm. work out? How did that happen? Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, I came to Australia when I was two years old. So we are immigrants, landed in Adelaide and basically stayed there through primary school and high school. I went around, changed a couple of high schools. Then I went on to study law at Flinders University. I actually took some extra time to finish my law degree. So when I started my degree, I also got involved in some business ventures. It was really random. And I started selling solar panels. So I had a solar panel business. Right. Okay. And it's so random, I know. Because it was at that time when solar was actually really booming in Australia, especially in South Australia. And so it was going really well. So, okay, this is actually quite fun. I'm learning lots. I'm making good money. So I studied law part-time and I ran the business for about four or five years. So basically, in the end, it ended me taking me, I think, six years to finish my law degree. So basically double the time because I studied part-time. Sure. When I actually graduated from law, I was 20... 
I think I was 27, 26 or 27. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. So a lot older. The people that I started with, I did not graduate with. And it's really funny is my sister, who's six years younger than me, started law too. Uh She ended up graduating just one year after me. One year, yeah, one year after me. Yeah, even though she was six years. Yeah, she caught up. It was was crazy. Anyway, so then I went and during that time, I started doing a bit of work in the law firm. I started to tone down on the business side of things and just stop doing solar because I think that the industry wasn't, it was just wasn't as booming as it was before. And I was like, okay, cool. I want to see where this law thing kind of takes me. Hmm. So I started working for a law firm in Adelaide and um, it was a general kind of law firm, but I was handed a lot of immigration matters. And at that time, I did enjoy it. You know, I understood it. I kind of knew what was at stake. I could relate to the clients and I I did enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Then after I think a year or two, so this is a year or two after graduating, I um, had an opportunity to work for a law firm in Melbourne. So I took the opportunity and moved to Melbourne. So it would have been like, you know, 27, 28 here. Moved there. And then I worked in that law firm for a couple of years and moved on to work at a kind of boutique law firm where they wanted to, you know, grow the immigration business and just wanted someone to run that part. So I did that and um, I found that it was, it was great because I wasn't micromanaged and all of that because they had their own things to do. They just wanted me to head up the immigration firm essentially. But I realized I wasn't learning enough because you're not, you know, surrounded by people who are working migration. There was like, you know, conveyances, there was commercial lawyers, but no one knew anything about immigration law. And so what I was doing half the time, you know, I was, you know, I, I was getting as much assistance as I can, but it just wasn't growing the way I wanted. Sure. So by the end of 2019, I went into an immigration like firm where there was just pure focus on immigration and especially corporate commercial immigration. Okay. And what I mean by that is like businesses, we did visas for businesses who were employing their skilled workers from overseas. Mm-hmm. So that ranged from, you know, chefs, cooks, physios, and yep. uh, other allied health, the nurses mm-hmm. and doctors. So a lot of that, we're doing a lot of that. So I started that early 2020. Mm-hmm. I literally started the job January 2020. And during that time, we actually moved to Geelong and we were living in the, the work was in the city. So I was catching the train to the city every day. So it was like a three hour, three hour round trip. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to do this because I need to learn. And it was a great, it was a pretty big, you know, immigration agency at the time. And then COVID hit mm-hmm. and I was three months or four months in. So I was let go. Not a great and time to be an immigration lawyer. When no, it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, oh, I was like, oh my god, I left my other job now. I um, you know, I was let go from this. Oh, that cool. Anyway, so then I reached out to a law firm in Geelong, and I had already met them previously at a couple of events, and uh, they're like, yeah, we're looking for someone, and then I started working there. But it was the same thing. This law firm was a lot bigger. There was like eighty to one hundred, you know, staff members. Mm-hmm. However, it was still like I was the only immigration person there. So you're kind of still doing everything yourself and still trying to learn. You didn't get the support you needed. Anyway, at that time I was only working part-time. And so I got really bored. I was bored essentially during that time. (laughs) And I wanted to start, I just want to do something. I don't know what I was thinking at the time. You hadn't done much content or socials or anything. Hadn't done anything. No, had not done anything, but did have business. Yeah. But did have business experience. So, What happened was, I know, you watch those things online. And so then I was like, ah, oh, during that time, my partner who's a doctor couldn't buy medical scrubs. And there's a huge delay on medical scrubs. I was like, okay, cool. Let's let's import some and try it ourselves and see. I don't know when I was thinking at the time. <laughs> and and so we we got to that and I knew how to, you know, kind of like do everything, you know, get the website, get everything set up from a business perspective, because I had a lot of business experience. And then I realized that, you know, you saw this content, people getting, you know, the business on TikTok and doing all of that. 
And I realized that I, I had to practice and had to get good at TikTok while I was waiting for the stock to arrive. I was like, well, so you're trying to sell I... scrubs on TikTok essentially? Yeah, yeah. That's what I started off right. doing. Right? Yeah. I had a made, a made a scrub page for TikTok, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a TikTok on there. But then I was kind of like, oh, I need to practice. So how am I going to do this? And I was watching all these things. I'm like, you have to talk about something that you know a lot about. So I just started talking about migration. So I started another channel for migration TikTok. This is when I was still working in other firm, and I started that because it was something I knew a lot about. I could talk about it every single day. I could produce content every single day, and I knew exactly right. what I'm talking about. Right. I didn't know what I was talking about when it came to the scrub. So, anyway, so then it started, you know, going off. So, like, I think I don't know. In the first month, I might have hit like ten thousand followers or something like that. The growth was really quick, and then so I started reposting that stuff to Instagram. And at the law firm I was working at the time, it started just just they're, they're just getting phone calls, like you know, just asking for me. Like we're talking, like you know, I don't know. It was at that time it was ten to fifteen phone calls looking for me per day. Wow, and this is like yeah. mid twenty twenty, right? So peak pandemic. This peak was pandemic. end. So this was end of twenty twenty now. So we're yeah. talking the second half of twenty twenty now. Yeah. Yeah. And then so by the time I got the stock. For the scrubs. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? I'm like 30,000 followers deep into my migration TikTok and now I'm going to start the scrub thing. <laughs> and so we ended up signing scrub thing and that's still rolling along now. So it's okay. called um, Scrub a Duck. And, okay. um, you know, it's, it's still, it's rolling along. I have, you know, other people helping me mm-hmm. handle that now. And then towards the end of, but towards the beginning of 2021, I was kind of like, there's so many things I wanted to do. And there's so many things that I understood from a business perspective that I thought I could go and start my own law firm. So I resigned from the other law firm and I started Mason Chen Law Group. So this would be mid-2021 by now. By this time, the TikTok started taking off. There was, you know, media coverage and there was Instagram was going well, YouTube was going well. And we're at a point today where we have 20 staff members. We get 100 queries a day. So 100 queries we get every single day. And it's just literally, you know, looking for me and and looking at all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... Yeah, now and we've processed, you know, lots of applications, helped a lot of people get permanent residency and work visas over the last 12 months. Mm-hmm. And for us now, I just think, you know, we, we, we are getting started. We're just getting started at this point. Like we're nowhere near what we could do, just scratch the surface. Amazing. Well, firstly, congratulations. It's a super story and uh, yeah, you deserve all the credit for, uh, for the progress. You. But there's a few threads that I'd love to just pull on specifically around, you know, immigration, migration for health workers. But, mm. but even before that, I think your story will probably resonate with a lot of clinic owners who have a, a skill, you know, a, a degree, a service, you're mm. a lawyer, we're health professionals, and you kind of feel stuck. You're like, is all I can do is law or all I can do is be a physio. And yet you've, you've honed the business skills around that. And mm. uh, I think that's really interesting because some, we, we get stuck in our narrow field of vision sometimes and go, well, I'm a lawyer. All I can do is really consult mm-hmm. for my time and maybe I can put my rate up and that's it. If there's a clinic owner listening that is stuck in that time for money, you know, mm. fee for service kind of mindset, what would you say to them? I think that the world is very big and there is a demand for your service. Demand is always going to be there. The demand is there for it. But it just people have to know about you. That's it. You've just got to get in front of people. They've got to know about you. They can't buy your service. They can't use it if they don't know about you. So they may feel they've hit you know, a plateaued at a certain point with their business because they've done this and done that, but they just haven't marketed well enough to be out there. Right. Yeah. So on that, one, did you ever think that social media was already saturated enough with lawyers and, you know, influencers? Did that ever cross your mind? I think at the time, um, 
No, I didn't, but I really didn't know how a lawyer can promote their business on TikTok or Instagram. Mm-hmm. I just because you're worried about the the legalities of it, or yeah, a little bit of the legalities, a little bit of what people think as well. And that was the brilliant thing about TikTok. No one knows you on TikTok. Well, that was my next question, know. right? Like, did you get any heat from your peers or colleagues? No, no, not at all. I mean, they may, but not that I cared anyway. But I definitely gave me an extra push to start it because I knew that knew no one knows me on TikTok anyway. You can so be I was kind of like, exactly, and so I watched whatever the the advice you get from all these TikTok gurus to do this, and I just followed all of that. Mm-hmm. And you know, everybody's probably looking back at now and be like, oh, you know, I wish I did that. You know, had the guts to try that as well. Did it ever cross your mind that are oh, the people that I help aren't on TikTok? It's for the thirteen-year-olds doing the dances. Did that ever cross your mind? Not when I started. I didn't even think that, but that's what everybody told me. They were right. just kind of like, oh, TikTok. You know, oh, that's that's isn't that the app for thirteen-year-olds? They all say that. Clearly, it's an app for business builders, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody thinks that, but you'd be surprised how many people are actually on TikTok, how engaging the platform is, and, yeah, just realise how big the world is. I wanted to just labour on that because there's there's so many clinic owners that I hear that say, oh, it's already been done before the market's already saturated or my market aren't on that social media or they get stuck. Yeah. And I, I love your story that's like, I don't even know what other people were saying about me. I was just going to go for it. Mm. And you've, you've built a, you know, a huge firm and a growing firm mm. now in, in six to 12 months, which is, which is amazing. So mm. if anyone, we're going to move into the immigration stuff in a minute, but finally on TikTok and social media in general, mm. if mm. anyone's thinking about getting started, mm-hmm. what would you say to them? Look, honestly, just get started. And I know they hear this a lot, but just get started and don't try to be perfect. Like your first video is going to be so crap when you look back on it in six months' time. When I look back on my videos from, you know, uh, 18 months ago now, I'm like, whoa, I spoke so differently. I look so differently. Everything's so different, but you've just got to push yourself to get started because the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. Great. It's simple, but effective. Mm. Okay. So let's move into law. Uh, And for those listening... In allied health specifically, recruitment feels like the biggest challenge that clinic owners are facing. It's not so much about getting more clients or compliance or anything like that. Just having enough humans with a degree to meet a service is a real challenge. However, many of them have this, many clinic owners have this mindset that to hire from overseas or to bring in a migrant is too hard. Mm. What would you say to that? It's probably one of the best things that you could do for your business because at the end of the day, Australia is just 20, 25 million. It's not a lot of people here in Australia. Right. So there just isn't the, the talent pool that you need to grow your business. The people in your business is the most important for your business. I'm recruiting, you know, I, I can't hire direct from overseas, but I'm definitely uh, sponsoring local applicants from here who studied law here, but they are not Australian permanent residents or citizens. It's extremely important. The businesses that I used to do visas for, and I still do visas for now, actually, uh, their entire business model is built on hiring skilled migrants from overseas who do the role because that's the only way they can scale up quick enough. Your business can't grow quick enough if you don't have the demand for it. You always need to have like that surplus. Even though if you met your quota and you've met, you know, everyone's at capacity, you can't grow your, per- your business if you don't have that person that just has extra capacity to take on the extra business to grow it. Yeah. And um, But, yes, it re- really requires bringing in the right people to do it. And so recruiting from overseas is one of the best things that um, you can do for your business. And I know p- businesses that just purely do that. 
Mm. And you're absolutely right. We've always got to have more capacity than demand. Always mm. got to have more capacity than demand. Yeah. I know there's so many professions, you know, I think about psychology and speech pathology, OT, that have so much more demand than supply and it causes so many challenges for them. So yeah. when clinic owners think about hiring overseas or, or non-permanent residents or visas, all these things, it just sounds too hard. Mm, no, um, but it's easy. So you 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 have recruitment agencies, or you work people in recruitment that can you know put the right people in front of you, and then you just have to make a decision on who the final person is, just like you would with your own recruitment process. And then the lawyer handles the paperwork, and they can be here in Australia within one or two months. And so there's a work. lot. Yeah, it's not always that easy, but it could be that easy. It is. It is that easy. And like, um, with uh, it's like well, I'm looking at hiring some staff from overseas at the moment. But they're when I'm talking to these recruiters overseas, they're looking at a pool of one thousand or two thousand applicants. That's how many oh. there is. That's how many they can choose from. Whereas here, I run job ads on Seek. I run job ads on you know all these other businesses on these uh, recruitment platforms, and I'd be lucky to get one good applicant through. So what? Uh... Well, two questions really, but one, what mistakes do you see people make when they think about hiring from overseas? And two, what's best practice or what do the good hirers do? Well, I think that the mistake would be, I just think they don't know where to look for it. Mm. Uh, and they, they believe that it's a very costly process. And the fees you're looking at to bring someone from overseas will sit around the $10,000 mark. Right. Max, you're going to look around 10000 But if you think about how much it costs your business in opportunity, how much it costs your business just in recruitment, and when someone leaves and you have to train someone up, that salary cost just there, it, mm-hmm. this is much cheaper than, you know, doing all those other things. Mm, okay. And what do you see them doing well? So for a hire or an employer, what's best practice? So what are some of the top performers doing? You mean like employers? Yeah. Are they writing specific job ads? Are they going to particular pools of potential candidates? Uh, What are they doing uh, well? I think they're probably just working with the right recruiters. How do you um, pick a good recruiter? This is a difficult one. You just have to find the one that understands your business, Mm -hmm. understands the industry you work in, and just knows exactly what you're working for. I'm not working with with a big recruiting agency. I'm actually working with a lady who used to be the CEO at the migration firm that I used to work at. She left. And she started her recruitment business and she knows exactly, you know, what we're kind of looking for. So I guess it's about finding the right person to work with in that sense as well. I love that answer because I think there's so many clinic owners that would say, oh, I could just fill in a form and it'll happen. It'll cost me 10, 15 grand, whatever. But it's not. What you're saying is you've got to do the work and connect with the people and do the networking and find the recruiter that aligns Mm. with your values Mm. and you've got to do the work, Mm. but it pays off. Right, you do, yeah. You have to work that person so they understand because no one knows your business better than you do. Mm-hmm. So you know you just got to do it. But once you do it once or twice, they'll know, and that's all you got to do. So I know there's plenty of clinic owners that would be concerned mm. about bringing someone in who maybe has different, um, maybe language backgrounds or mm-hmm. training background that's different or cultural differences. How should we think about that best? Yeah. Well, from like, you know, uh, immigration legal perspective, they have to meet certain criteria from a qualification experience standpoint to be able to even do the job. So, for example, allied health uh, physios, they actually have their 
get their qualifications assessed by the Australian Physiotherapy Council. Mm-hmm. And they, they tick off on it and say, yep, this meets the Australian requirements for the qualifications for this role. So you know from that sense it meets the Australian standards for that. In terms of experience, the immigration requirements is at least they need to at least already have two years full-time work experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, so, you know, you have that part ticked off as well. And I guess the other thing is just that you have to believe that people overseas um, have a lot of experience. And you have to remember at the end of the day, Australia is 25 million people where if, you know, help a lot of clinics um, help get physios from, say, Philippines, they've seen a lot more people. The amount, amount of patients they see on a daily basis just, you know, it's not you can't compare it to what, you know, people here are seeing. It's They're seeing a lot more over there. And so they have that experience with that. It comes with a lot of experience. And oh, you just have, you do have to believe that as well. Yeah. I know it's hard, but you just have to do it. If, if it's not working for you here, you can't just keep doing that same thing. You have to look elsewhere. Mm. And if someone wanted to get started, maybe we've piqued their interest on hiring uh, from overseas talent, how does one begin the process? Where do you start? Yeah, well, so, for example, like we we currently work with some recruitment agencies from overseas. We're like, okay, cool, this person's looking for a chef or cooks. Uh, do you have any there? And what they'll do is they will uh, present the CVs. They can definitely provide uh, demonstration videos as well because they know it's hard. You, you, know, you can't see them in person. Before COVID, some people, when they get like 10 candidates, I know some businesses that actually travel overseas and like say for cooks, get all 10 of them to do a cooking demonstration for them, okay. which was, you know, great process, great for them as well. Mm-hmm. But that's not necessary. And then, you know, they go through all the necessary checks. And then the lawyer gets involved and makes sure from an immigration legal perspective, everything meets the requirements, go through the formalities, and they launch a visa application. And how long would a typical visa application be? One to two months, roughly. Yeah, right. So mm-hmm. I think many people think, oh, this is going to be a 12-month process. And and it's not, like you mentioned, I appreciate you mentioning roughly ballpark figures. Like it's not as expensive, I don't think, as many people would believe, uh, even you know, recruiting locally or within Australia can be an equivalent cost anyway. So that's... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like there is that culture from overseas as well. So they are very appreciative that, you know, that you have given them opportunity to come here to work in Australia with some having a pathway to permanent residency. So they are very, very appreciative of the entire thing. And usually it's a very good experience with them, whether they work with you for two years, four years, or even longer. Usually it's a very good experience. And Tracy, you've worked across multiple different industries, um, particularly health. I really appreciate your specific knowledge on allied health and the APC Mm -hmm. physio council. I think as clinic owners, that gives us a lot of peace of mind that you've got some expertise in our space. But Mm -hmm. when you look across industry, what do you see in allied health? Is it still early days and early adopters that are recruiting from overseas or what are you seeing across industries? No, I think there is a lot of businesses that have been using this. It's just not enough businesses actually know about it. But also they are scared as well. It is very, you know, it is a very daunting process. They're kind of like, I don't know where to start. I don't even understand it. It is very, but all the, a lot of businesses have used this for a very, very long time and they've used this business model to scale up their business. Mm. And, you know, for full transparency, that's how we got connected was a, a clinic owner inside our clinic mastery community said, uh, you know, We've connected with Tracy and Mason Chan. You guys have got to connect and uh, and make it happen. So mm. there's a strong word of mouth referral and recommendation on that level. And I spent some time yeah, following you and getting to know you. And I would really encourage our listeners to track you down on TikTok and uh, engage and embrace the process because it's um mm. it's a whole lot of fun, but really insightful and educational mm. as well. Hey, let's, uh, let's wrap it up there. I think, Tracy, people have been listening on 0.75 speed probably because we're going a million miles an hour. Yeah. 
But if people want to uh, get in touch or follow up and maybe learn more or connect with you, how can they best do so? So our email address is reception at masonchenlaw.com.au. So that's M-A-I-S-O-N-C-H-E-N-Law.com.au. Everything's on my Linktree handle. So uh, if you go to my Instagram, Tracy, T-R-A-C-I underscore migration, all my handles will be there for to connect with me. Perfect. And folks, we'll make sure we link all that up at clinicmastery.com slash podcast, which is the usual place to go. And we'll make sure all the links for Tracy and her law firm are there. This has been really helpful and insightful for me, Tracy. So thank you very much for uh, for sharing your insights and expertise. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. And listeners, thank you for joining us. Uh, as always, head over to clinicmastery.com slash podcast. And I can't wait to bring you another episode again really soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to the Grow Your Clinic podcast. To find out more about past episodes or how we can help you, head to www.clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. And please remember to rate and review us on your podcast player of choice. See you on the next episode.